Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, Paul said, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. The fact is, community is very powerful. Your church and your Christian friends can really help you navigate the pressures and struggles of everyday life and help you get through more serious issues as well. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley, and today we're going to look at one of those serious issues, pornography addiction. Nick and Michelle Stumbo experienced this in their marriage, and they found healing through a ministry called Pure Desire, which they now lead. Here's more from Focus President Jim Daly. Hey, let's get to the bow of the story, because it's so beautiful. Ten years, we've gotten to that point, all the angst, and I appreciate, again, your vulnerability to share that. Let's talk about how the Lord tied this together when you did make that final decision to say it's done, both of your reactions, the role that Pure Desire Ministries played in that regard, the one you now lead and took over from, I think, the founder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just describe that for us and the fact that you're in a much better place now. You're helping hundreds, if not thousands, of people with this uh, sexual addiction problem. Tell us what happened. Yeah. Um, admittedly, I, I still was so minimizing, I didn't think I needed it. But Michelle heard those same words of invitation to get help, and she knew we did. And so I took this intermediate step to go meet with a, a counselor friend in our district um, who asked me really three life-changing questions. Because I said, I don't think I need, I just need a little bit of tips how to avoid pornography. But he said, Nick, let's think about this. Number one, how long has this been in your life? Wow. So by that time, it had been over 15 years. Yeah. He said, okay, number two, how many times have you tried to stop? And I actually chuckled because I said, well, every time has been the last time. So I've tried to stop literally hundreds, if not thousands of times. Right. And he said, okay, and is it causing you or people you care about significant amounts of pain? And I said, well, yeah, I believe if I don't change, my wife will leave me. And he said, well, put that together, Nick. It's been a problem for a while. You've tried repeatedly to stop and can't, even though it's causing you or people you love pain. I said, yeah, that's pretty good description. He said, Nick, that's a clinical definition of addiction. And I remember I, I sat back in my chair like he'd sucker punched me because I was a pastor. And it was I, the first I, time it came together. I for truly you. loved the Lord with my whole, I mean, as, as much as I knew how to love him with my whole heart. And the idea that I could simultaneously be that and be an addict was as foreign to me as, you know, the German language would be if I tried to speak that. Like, that language was so bizarre. But when I allowed that to sink in, the openness of maybe this is why I can't just stop it on my own. Um, and gave me the willingness to go down and meet with Ted and Diane Roberts. And we got to go together, which I think was so important that, that from the get-go, they worked with us as a couple um, so we could deal with her, my wife's pain and sense of betrayal and the lack of trust and then also the behaviors in my life. Um, and, and we met with Ted and Diane Roberts and started to go through the counseling process. And probably the most significant thing they required of us was to be in a group. Um, which I also did not want to do because I already had Saturday night services and elder meetings and small group, and who needs one more nightly commitment a week? But uh, Dr. Ted said to me, if you don't do this, you won't change. Wow. Because he saw the central role community has to play in recovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went to a group. Um, I didn't like it at first, but um, I found about eight or ten weeks in as we're going every week that one night as I was driving up, I'll I'll just tell this one part of the story, and then Michelle can kind of share hers. Uh, I was driving up to my group. And I realized I'd been looking forward to it all week. 
I thought, this is so bizarre. I'm going to a place where people know the very worst things about me. I've told them things I've never told anybody else, and I can't wait to get there. Hmm. What is going on? And again, it was one of those moments I heard the voice of the Lord just whisper to my soul. He said, Nick, it's the only place in your life you feel real. Hmm. And I realized that was it, that everywhere else I was so involved in that public me that I felt like if people knew, they'd reject me. But in that group, they knew the private me like no one else ever did. And I was a part of that group. I was loved and accepted. And it was that group that really, along with the counseling, created such transformation where I knew I didn't have to posture or pretend anymore for love. Um, And when you experience that from other people, that's where I think I most deeply experienced the love of God. Yeah. That I'd been a pastor for 10 years, and I knew um, knowledge-wise, head-wise, all about the love of God. I could preach about it. But I don't know that I'd ever really experienced it because of that voice of shame that said people would reject you. When I experienced the love from those other men, that's where the love of God became real. And so from then, marriage and ministry became ministering out of the love of God rather than ministering in a hope that I might achieve the love of God. And that was a night and day change for me. So, Well, and that's the common phrase about being known. And that is the Christian life, that God loves you even though he knows you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard for us to believe that he truly knows us. We try to hide those places thinking that the creator doesn't know us. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of idiotic. Or we know he knows. We just think he has a very disapproving opinion of most Correct. of Correct. Even worse, <laughs> he's got the club. All right, Michelle, so your, your best so, day. <laughs> my best day. Well, that was one of them. When Pure Desire came and they were up there telling about this program, I was bawling. My eyes were like biggest saucers. Like, this is it. Lord has answered my prayer today. Like, <laughs> this is it. Hope. This is what's going to save my marriage. And then I look over and he looks over at me and I'm just, you know, crying and to hear him not like not realize that he was going to be all in. <laughs> right. It's still kind of like surprising. Like, why wouldn't you be running up there and like, pick me? Um, that was a big, important day. And then um, meeting with Ted and Diane was wonderful. Um, I didn't want to go to a women's group, though. I had little kids at home. and You were both busy. I was thinking, <laughs> it's so funny to hear you guys both talk about like that. Why do I need a group? This is his problem, yeah. you know? But then going through, it's called Betrayal and Beyond, women's groups, and seeing all the other women there, all Christian women whose husbands struggle with this, or some husbands have left, but they're there working on, you know, their stuff, and to hear all their stories and all our stories are so different, but it all, we all feel the same pain. The, mm. We all feel the similar Same materials, same cloth, but different stitch. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, whoa. And just to see all of us feel so like not enough. Yeah. And I think that's just the way that Satan gets to us is like, you're not enough. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so impressive the, the, the way you highlight community and the importance of being vulnerable in a group where you can be real. I mean, that came through loud and clear the last few minutes. And how few people actually experience that today in, in modern mm-hmm. uh, community. I mean, it's just yeah. so fast. Everybody's busy. How are you? I'm great. How are yeah. you? And the nature of sexual sin, it isolates us. And yeah. so when we try to fix it in isolation, that doesn't work. And we want to yeah. be better and not have anyone know about it. But the pathway to being better is having other people know about it and be part of that journey with us. Yeah. Talk to the uh, length of time to get counseling, to work Mm -hmm. on these things intentionally. Uh, What was that period of time like? How long was it with counseling and help? 
Yeah, initially the what I would kind of call the intense change process was about a year long of the counseling and being in groups. Um, but the healing continues. You know, the second time of going through the group material where I got to lead it in my church and help other men, I was still learning so much about myself mm. because really that first year in some ways is like triage where we're stopping That's the bleeding true. and the pain and figuring out how to arrest the behavior. You know, the behavior in my life actually changed very quickly. But the underlying issues those things don't change overnight. And so it was, a, it was a full two to three years of working through performance and shame and guilt that, um, that occurred. And that's what we really try to encourage people to see is this change isn't something you can do in a five-week study or read a good book mm-hmm. and you'll be okay. Um, it's funny to say that as the author of a book, but, um, <laughs> yeah, really. but to really take the long view to see if these are issues that have developed in my life over years and maybe decades, it may take a year or two of intentional work to un- unravel what's gone oh, on. Yeah, I mean, and, and I it, think that's pretty fast-paced. Yeah, and it'll take the wife about two to five years to rebuild that trust. And Yeah, mm-hmm. boy, that's that's encouraging and discouraging, yeah. but yeah. And it's I had true. to actually go through book one twice because the first time I was pretty numb. Like, I yeah. just wasn't, I didn't have much feeling. I think that's how I coped with our struggle right. is I just numbed out to it all. Yeah, and that, again, is reasonable. Yeah. So that's a process for, for the victim, in this case, the spouse. Yeah. And, experience that. As we heard, Nick was hesitant to get some counseling, and I'm sure a lot of people struggling with addictions uh, feel the same way. Like Nick, you may be thinking, I've got this. I've got this under control. Greg, speak to the spouse in that kind of a situation where there's an obvious problem, um, but their partner just refuses to get help. It's so hard, and we're so sorry. that You talk about feeling helpless and hopeless. Part of the beginning, and I know you know this, but just remember you're not responsible. You can't change your spouse. You are not responsible for their healing. I get that it totally impacts you. And so I'm not, I'm not minimizing, marginalizing just the, the, the sense of loss, the grieving that you're doing. One of the hardest things for a spouse in this situation is to, to not try to be that accountability partner that you need to deal with this. We need to get help. You need to get help and really, really turn towards you and, and what does caring for you continue to look like? So as you feel stuck, as you feel helpless, um, how how do you really plug into the Lord? How are you taking care of yourself so that you remain full, that you remain open? And, And that's really what you can control. Yeah, and so it's getting good support, letting a couple safe, same-sex friends into your life and into what is going on in your life is crucial, as well as seeking out a counselor for yourself to go in and get support to gain help in setting God-honoring boundaries with your spouse. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? If he or she is not willing to get help, what does that mean for you? And where where's the line in the sand for you? Are you willing to remain status quo? Or are you saying, you know what? No, I will not tolerate this behavior in, in a God-honoring, loving way. And mm-hmm. a counselor can help you walk through what does that sound like? What does that look like? As well as making sure that you are well cared for and supported with others on the outside. John, I love the story of David as that mm-hmm. that young man who was standing before Goliath, what seemed impossible. No one believed him. People were questioning his motives. And you, you talk about just thinking, how did he not feel so scared, so helpless, you know, so hopeless in that situation? And, and yet God was with him. And so, again, God is with you. 
Um, and remember, David was equipped with five stones, and and not just one. I mean, he knew God was going to work, and he knew he was going to kill Goliath, but he needed to be prepared fully, which meant he had five stones and not just one. All that to say, Aaron and I and John, we don't know how long you need to continue to throw stones Hmm. at this problem. That's between you and the Lord. You know, as long as you have a peace, as long as you're plugged in, you're going to keep fighting for your marriage and you're going to keep throwing those stones of getting help and encouraging your spouse and loving your spouse. But again, only God and you will know when when enough is enough. And like Aaron said, you know, to, to really put those boundaries into place. Well, we want to assure you Focus on the Family is here to help. Um, please take some first steps with your church, with the community around you that, uh, that Aaron suggested, but seek out help. Whether you are the person addicted to pornography or you're the spouse who's being affected by this. Um, We do have some great resources here. We have Caring Christian Counselors, uh, our Hope Restored Marriage Intensive might be something that eventually want to uh, go through. Um, Please, it begins with a phone call. Our number is 800, the letter A and the word family. And um, if you're in a spot where you're interested in helping others, the Stumbo's story and book is terrific. Setting Us Free, An Unexpected Journey of Grace, uh, it'll really equip you to understand some of the dynamics and uh, be in position to reach out to friends who might be struggling with this. Uh, make a donation today to help the Ministry of Focus on the Family as we support marriages and come alongside those marriages that are struggling. Uh, make a donation to Focus, and we'll say thank you by sending the Stumbo's book to you. And next time, a little lighter uh, topic as we hear from Kathy Lip about uh, pepping up your marriage. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the rest of the team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.